Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's open up in our Bibles to the 22nd chapter of the book of Proverbs. This will be our first portion of Scripture. We are continuing our discussion, or well, what started out to be a lesson. The Lord has some way of making our lessons turn into seminars. You know? But that's all right with me if it's all right with you. I believe that when we listen to what he has to say, we'll be blessed by it. We're not doing it anyhow. He's doing it. Amen. Well, let's just pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's alive. It's living within us. It's alive in this place. It prevails in this place. And Father God, there's an anointing upon your word which will go forth this morning as the Holy Spirit gives us utterance, causing life, light, and love to grow in the spirit of those that have ears to hear. Now, I thank you, dear Father God, for quickening it in us. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about priorities of life and uh, really God's order of priorities in life. And uh, we saw that the Word establishes for us at least five priorities. Our first five priorities should be Number one, our relationship with God. Number two, our relationship with our mate. Number three, our relationship with our children, should we be married and have children. Number four, with our local body and the minister and really the local body of Christ. And then number five, we said with our employer or employees, whichever the case may be. Uh, We're going to continue because there are some things that are... But I won't even say some. I'll say there have been a lot of things that have been uh, covered up by tradition and religion. It's been covered up by the carnal man, carnal interpretation of the Scriptures in dealing with certain areas of the Word of God. And number, this one area we want to talk about today is the husband and wife or the man-woman relationship. And we said that it's number two on the list. If it's number two on the list, then it's vital that we understand it. Because if it's second only, second to our relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, then it's very important in the sight of our Father God. And so he he gave me a, a few things to talk, or really he gave me individuals that are here and to talk to. And you'll fall under one of these categories, I'm sure. Some of you may not as far as if your children are already grown up and married, but, but you, most of us will probably fall in the same category. And even as a person that has their children grown up, you still have a responsibility in praying and interceding for them. But we're going to see some areas. We're going to talk about the second thing on our list of priorities, and that's the husband and wife relationship and uh, really the man and the woman. It's been hidden through church if you want to call it carnal teaching, whatever you want to call it, I call it religious teaching, tradition, of, tradition, 
that's been passed from generation to generation. It's been taught that the women should keep silent in the church. It's been taught that they shouldn't wear this and shouldn't do that and shouldn't wear, you know, and all this here stuff. It's something how they try to keep the letter of the law but forget the spirit of the law, of the Word of God. And uh, consequently, a great, great, great and numerous amounts of, amount of ministries have been destroyed because it's not been properly taught. These priorities have not been properly, properly taught in the body of Christ, in the church itself, causing confliction, causing problems, causing ministries to be stopped. And, and let me give an example. How many of you ever heard of Maria Woodworth Eder? Anybody? Dear Lord, John has because I told him this morning. Maria Woodworth Eder was born in 1844 in New Lisbon, Ohio, Columbiana County, which is what? 45 minutes from here? 40 minutes from here, if that far? And uh, she had, and what is considered even in this day and age, the greatest Pentecostal ministry in the 20th century, in the century that we live in. The greatest, most miraculous, and as you can see, hardly anybody ever heard of her. Well, being born in 1844, she was uh, raised up in old-time Pentecost, of course. And uh, they taught that it was tradition that the women, are, the women what, they were to keep silent in the church. They weren't to speak. You know, they weren't to give their opinion. They weren't supposed to stand up and preach or give word, a word of prophecy or a message in tongues. They weren't supposed to do anything like this. Well, consequently, at the age of 13, when she be when she, was, she gave her heart to Jesus and she, well, she started to learn about salvation. She gave her heart to Jesus. She knew inside her spirit that she was called to a ministry of teaching God's Word and laying hands upon the sick. Now, this is in an era, and that's not too long ago, to where the, the, the mainline teachings were against women doing anything like this in the church. So you can understand then how she would shy away from obeying God in this field, in this area. And she did. I mean, all the ministers were against it. The whole body was against it. If she tried to counsel with somebody, said, No, now you're supposed to keep silent. You're not supposed to do this. God doesn't call women to do this and call women to do that. And so before you know it, she just disregarded the call of God upon her life. And just grew up just like anybody else. Just like any normal housewife. Well, because she was in disobedience. So listen when I say this. Because she was in disobedience, she lost six or seven children, died. Her first husband died. And at the age of 49, going on 50, near 50, almost 50 years ago, now I called when she was a young girl, almost 50 years old, <clears throat> on her deathbed, she was dying. She looked up to heaven and said, Father... I know you called me. You know you called me. I don't care what the church says. I don't care what the ministers say. I don't care what the men of the church say. It doesn't matter to me what anybody says. If you'll heal my body, I'll serve you, I'll preach your word, and I'll lay hands upon the sick. And the Lord raised her up. Now, mind you, all this calamity came her way. 
She lost her husband. She lost almost seven. She loved the Lord. She served the Lord. She, it wasn't that she didn't love the Lord, but she was not in His perfect will. She was not in obedience. She lost her family. Almost lost her life. At the age of 50 years old, she answered, The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. She answered the call of God upon her life. And from that time on, she went on to have the greatest ministry. And to this day, it is said of her ministry, one of the greatest ministries of this century. God was healing the sick, raising up miraculous, all kinds of marvelous things happened in her ministry. By the age of 70, and she was still in her 70s, 72 years old, she was preaching under tents that held 22,000 people. 22,000 people. What would have happened had that lady started when she was 15 years old? Glory to God. Almost dead at the age of 50. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. If there's a call of God on your life, it's never too late. It's never too late to answer that call. You answer that call. And we're going to see, well, we say, why did you bring that up? Talking about a husband-wife relationship. Well, we're going to see that in the Word of God, we're taught that a family... Is a spiritual union, and God is not destroying families. God's not out there, out there trying to kill, you, take your children away from you. God is not out there trying to steal your husband away from you. He's not doing all these things. This is a spiritual relationship. We're going to find out that God, in God's order, if we will obey. Now, I'm talking about that was in in their circumstances. It was talking about a ministry. But in our circumstances, and those of you that have not been called to a ministry, it may mean your healing in your body. It may mean your finances met. It may mean all the blessings or the calamities that come in your life. And we're going to see by God's Word how His curses, curses will come upon you if you have not established your husband-wife relationship. And I don't care how much faith you claim to have or how much faith you ex exercise. If you are living out of harmony with your husband or with your wife, your prayers will not be readily answered. They won't. Let me start off by saying this. If you ever had the notion or the idea that God took away your children or God took away your husband just to perfect you, let me tell you something. He established the first priority. That's your relationship with Him. Number two was with your husband. Now, He established a relationship with your husband or with your wife just so He could take her or his life before you can establish that relationship? That doesn't make any sense. And then third on his list is that your children be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Yeah. You know how he did it? He's going to take away the father so the children can't be taught. Now, if that's number three on the list, can you see that God is not taking away fathers or mothers from their children while they're little? When they have to be taught? That's the job of the parent. But yet, a lot of Christians will go back and say, well, you know... God took sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so's life just to teach some, one of them a lesson just so somebody can get closer to God. That's a bunch of hogwash. You cannot find any scriptural basis for it. You, not not an, an entire word of God. So, if he established these priorities in his word, if you, beloved, want to live under the blessings of the Almighty God, if you will take these priorities and establish them in your life, and realize what your relationship is supposed to be. How many of you watched Brother Copeland this morning? Anybody? Slip up your hand. You know, it blesses me every time I turn that thing on. I said, now, Father, 
I said, well, this is one time I could say, well, praise God, we're not on the same subject. And then he closes, closes off his sermon by saying, did you know that in the book of Ephesians, Paul talked about the believer at first, but then he wanted to talk about the relationship between the husband and the wife and the children and, the, and then your employee employer, and then he said, come against the devil. I said, now, Lord, you're going to think I did the same thing again. But pray, I praise God for that because that's the Holy Spirit. We are required to walk in the love of God. This is what he said. We're required to walk in the love of God. Your faith works and is energized by the love of God. Faith which worketh by love. And that's talking about every relationship that you have established in this natural life. With your father God, with your wife or husband, with your children, with your body here, and with your employer. You better be walking in love in every area if you want your faith to work. And the same way this ministry was almost destroyed and thousands upon thousands of souls that were saved, healed, and delivered could have been stopped is the same way relationships in the body of Christ today are being destroyed. Divorces, children running off, not being saved, not living for God, not taking the calling that God has placed in their life and, and pursuing that calling and fulfilling that calling in their life because we have not established our relationships. Now, he told me and instructed me to speak, first of all, to the parents. So that's why we've opened our Bibles to Proverbs 22, 6. Now, listen. Not everybody will fall in this category, but you will fall in one of these categories. So if this category pertains to you in your life, then you've got to listen. This is going to be step one for, in, in everybody's life, everyone that's here. Step number one, and if this doesn't pertain to you, you take it off and teach it to somebody else. Step number one in establishing a relationship between a man and a woman starts in the home, starts with the parent. And you've got to understand that. If your children are raised and grown, and they've grown up and say they're married, and maybe they're not living for God, then I'll tell you what. Parent, you'll agree with me. Get on your knees and repent. If you've been a Christian all your life, and your children are not living for God, the first thing you'll do is repent. Repent. Because this scripture says something. Let's read it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not. I cannot say it any stronger than what God's Word says it. He will not depart from it. The word train means to mold the character. To instruct by exercise. To drill, to make obedient to orders. To prepare for a contest. To point in an exact direction. As a parent, we have the responsibility of training, drilling, showing our children, pointing them in the exact direction that they are to go in while they are growing up by example. Now, I'm not talking about the entire life right now, the entire Christian law. I am talking about husband-wife relationship. A lot of children will grow up, and you'll find out that when they get married, they act just like their parents acted in their marriage. Why? Because the parent was the example. If there's disharmony in that household, you'll start to see it'll carry off through right into the child. Right into his or, or her life and the relationship between husband and wife. You'll start to find out if you listen to people talk today, parents talk today. 
they find out and they begin to say, well, that guy's not good enough for my daughter, or that girl is not good enough for my son. And before you know it, they're talking bad about the relationship. I remember one couple, uh, the entire family, all they ever said was, he's no good. Why don't you get a divorce? Christian people. Their marriage will never work out. It'll never work out. They shouldn't do it. He's no good. He's lazy. He's never going to give her a good life, etc., 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 etc. And that's what the parents talked about the children while they was growing up and then when they started to date. And before you know it, right now, that couple is divorced. They're divorced. And there was no news to me. I heard him say it for how many years? Heard the parents talk about it. So parents, number one, you have got to train up your child in the way he should go. You have got to be an example. Mothers, let's go to Titus. And while you're finding Titus, find Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. It's not too close, but you've got two fingers. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. I want you to catch both of these. The book of Titus, right before Philemon, right before Hebrews, and the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. God's Word teaches us and points out to us that there are blessings and curses for obedience. Those, now listen to me, I don't care whether or not you have the knowledge or not. Whether or not you have the knowledge is of, of no importance according to the law. Whether you understand how the law of gravity works, if you go off this roof and fall down, you're going to fall, and you, you may, if you don't have any faith and belief in angels, you may get hurt. Amen? Listen, just because you didn't know is no excuse. The Bible says my people perish and are destroyed through what? Through lack of knowledge. It's working for or against you whether you know it or not. And I just chose to find in my own life how and why the calamities come or, they, or the blessings come upon people. I'm going to follow somebody who teaches us how to live under the blessings, aren't you? I don't want to fall into curse. Let's, first of all, look at Deuteronomy, then we'll go to Titus. Now, the Lord said, if we, look at verse 29. In verse 29, it's almost as though he's making a plea. He's crying out. He says, oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children for, until they get married. And if the parent will do all the commandments of the Lord, all that He said to do, and train up and be an example and drill their children in the way they should go. Now, I'm talking about marriage in this instance. Then He said it would be well not only with the child, but with who? With the parent. Now, there's a blessing for this. There's a blessing for doing what God's Word says to do about training up your children in every area. But let's speak specifically about the area of husband-wife relationship. Now, we already said and quoted in Genesis 18 
that Abraham, God said, I know him, I know Abraham, he'll teach his children and his household after him in the way that they should go. That way I could bring upon him all the blessings that I said that I would. Beloved, when you seek the kingdom of God, the Lord said that blessings will be what? Added unto you. All the other things of life will be added unto you. Consequently, either we're not seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, or God's messed up. But I want you to hear me, and I want you to see what the Word of God says. If we will do the spiritual part, He'll see to it that in the natural all the things of life will be taken care of. If we will train up our children in the way they should go, when they get old, they won't depart from it. If your heart is upright towards God, parents, and you do what the Word of God says to do, then you have every legal right to stand before the throne of God and say, Father, my child cannot and will not depart from the faith. Titus, the second chapter. Let's start with the women. Because I believe it's a mother's duty, according to what Paul said here, to train up their daughters. And it's a father's duty to train up his son and show him. Not that they don't work together, but I'm talking about certain areas now. Different areas. Besides all this, beloved, the Bible says, if you'll do this, you'll have long life, parents. Did you hear me? You want to know why there's a lot of people who... There's a lot of people who are Christians whose parents die young and they say, We prayed, we prayed, we prayed, they prayed, they prayed, everybody prayed, but they died young. Why? He said, If you do this, you'll live long on the earth. If you don't do this, then the curse is going to... I'm going to show you how this is true. The curse may fall upon you. And I don't care how much faith you've got, beloved. If you don't repent from it, that curse may come upon you and you may die young. Now, people don't want to hear that. Well, I thought you was a man of faith. I am. Faith means obedience. We have got to obey. Faith is not a way out, beloved. It's not an excuse. It's not a way out. You just can't go up and say, well, I'm just going to do this, this, and blessed be God, but then I'll use my faith when I get into a fix. God doesn't work that way. You must obey God. And there are some parents that are afraid to admit that they did wrong. I'll tell you what, if, if you see me, you won't see it. I won't train my children the way they should go. Either through ignorance, lack of knowledge of the Word of God, had I not even known and I, and I wasn't saved and did not know it, the moment I found out that I was to train my child and nurture them in the admonition of the Lord and teach them the ways of God, I'd be on my knees and say, Father God, I didn't do it. Forgive me. Whether I had knowledge of it or not, forgive me. And if you hadn't done that, if your child has strayed away, then do it. Because you know what? That alleviates the curse. Father, forgive me. It was my responsibility, and I didn't do it. I make no excuses. No excuses. There's no excuses with God. He just says, confess. Identify yourself with your sin and live up to it. Amen? Now, as you read that scripture over there in Proverbs 22, 6, you meditate on that. Meditate on that. You don't have to turn to it. Meditate on that. He said, if you train up your child the way he should go when he gets old, he doesn't say he might not. I would have to say, Lord... If my child is not walking in the way he should go, then I failed miserably as a parent raising up my child and training him up in the way he should go because you said he would not depart. 
So evidently I failed. Now forgive me and I'm going to do everything I can do from this point on. Can you see that? Let's put the blame where it belongs. Now let's go on here to this Titus. Verse 3. The aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach, train, child train, instruct the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands. Train up your daughters to love your husband. The ideal marriage relationship starts when the parent trains up the, the daughter to love her husband. According to the Word of God. It does not start on the day that they say, I do. Now, I'm not, if you're already deciding on getting married and you've already, you're already grown up or you're to a, to a point that you're, you're dating, we're going to get on to that later. But right now, I'm talking to someone who has a child who has not grown up yet. Or they're in the process thereof. But it is the duty of the mother to train your child how to love her husband, to respect him, to honor him. Ephesians says to reverence him. How? Basically, by the way, you reverence your husband. Your life is, the, is the, probably, the, like I said before, the loudest message you'll ever preach to anybody. Especially to your children will be the life that you live. Now... To love their husbands. Now notice this. To love their children. A woman has got to be trained. Do you know? Listen. Hear me. A, a woman has to be a, a, a girl as she grows up must be trained how to love their children. I have heard many women say, I just don't know how. To organize a household. I don't know how to show love to my child. I don't know how to show love to my husband. What the world says is love in, in, in the carnal sense. Buying a gift. Doing that. Did you ever hear a, woman say, a, a man would say, Well now, honey, I live my life for you. I've worked like a dog for you. I've done this for you. I've done that for you. I bought you flowers on your birthday. I did this for you. I did that for you. Is that love? Maybe in his idea of love it was, but her says, she said, I didn't want your money. I didn't want your work. I didn't want this. I don't care about the household. I wanted you to love me. He didn't know how. Or vice versa. The daughter, the woman did not know how to love her husband. Why? She probably didn't see it in the household. She probably never saw that affection and that love as she was growing up and saw how the wife is to reverence and love and respect her husband. So consequently, when she grew up, she didn't have this insight. But we are told, mothers, by the Word of God, you are to train up your daughter to love and respect and not say, well, he's no good. And talk bad things about the person. And we're going to go on and see more about who you should marry. But mark that down that it is the woman's duty. Verse 5. And to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their husbands. Now not only are you to teach them how to love their husbands, but they are to teach their daughters how to be obedient to their husbands. According to the Word of God. Why Now, why? Why did he say for us as Christians, women, to do this? He goes on and finishes it by saying that the word would not be blasphemed. That the word of God wouldn't be blasphemed. 
See, it's, 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 it's nothing short of blasphemy. When we go off and preach Christ, and then someone comes off and says, well, look at this light. Look at their house. Look at this. And you t- they're telling me they have Christ. You ever hear people that are good moral people say, well, I've got more than you got. Because they don't know how to live right before God. They don't know how to live right before their family, their children. They don't know how to raise up their children the way they should go. The church, beloved, has majored in the minors. Majored in the minors. This is of major importance in the Word of God. It is major importance in the body of Christ that we teach and instruct and train up our children in the way they should go. They're the next generation. It's not just you. They're the next generation. And if they're going to live godly lives with their husbands and with their wives, let's go to the book of Ephesians and get the fathers in on this. What I'm saying to you is this, and, and you, you could interpret it any way you want, but what I'm saying to you is this, this is why a lot of people's faith is not working. Someone says, I pushed every lever. I, I quoted Mark 11, 23, Mark 11, 24. I did all the things that I said I was supposed to do, but yet my child still didn't get healed. Yeah, but you had strife in your household while you was doing it. Yeah, but you had rebellion while you were doing it. Yeah, but you couldn't get along with your husband, with your wife, or you couldn't get along with your employer while you were doing it. And because of it, it interfered with your prayer of faith. If you think this isn't true, you just follow out God's Word and see what He says about obedience. About not hearing. I will not hear. If you're not walking in love by, towards, your, towards Him, of course, and then towards your wife, and then towards your children, and then towards your employer, and towards the body and your employer, well, then you see, your faith is, is it's, it's stymied right there. It cannot work. How does it work? Let me hear it again. How does your, love, how does your faith work? Okay. So let's get a little bit deeper into the lifestyle of the believer and we'll, see, we'll start to see then why the person says, well, I prayed the prayer like everybody else said. Yeah, but did you have bitterness in your heart while you did it? Yeah, were you holding something against your daughter or your son-in-law while you were doing it? Can you see? Okay, let's look at the book of Ephesians 6 chapter. Now, fathers... Um, Let's start, this is, we're talking about, again, instructing your children as they're growing up to have a marriage relationship, uh, one that will last and one that will glorify God. Like I said, a marriage doesn't start at the altar or even in the counseling sessions. The marriage starts between the individuals as they're grown up. And if they had a right foundation, you can't expect some, some minister, you can't expect me to teach your children from this pulpit, how they are to live before the husband. I I just don't have the time to do that. That's why you're the man of your household. You are to instruct your children. Now let's read it first and we'll get into it. He said, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Verse 1, Honor thy mother and thy father, which is the first commandment of promise, that it may be well with you and you live long on the earth. Okay. And you fathers, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It is the responsibility of the father to raise up their children and nurture them with God's Word and admonish them according to the teachings of, of the Word of God. It is your responsibility. It is not the minister's responsibility. It is not the Sunday school's responsibility. 
People thought they did their job. Oh, I sent them to Sunday school once a week. Yeah, but you lived ungodly before them for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And what do you think got a hold of them? Certainly wasn't Sunday school. You can't expect Sunday school or just coming to this place of worship and, and hearing the Word of God taught. You can't expect that to, to change their home lifestyle if the parents are not living it before the children. It's my responsibility. It is your responsibility. And if you have not fulfilled that responsibility, I just say this. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Repent. May I put it this way to you? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom, there's no bondage, there's no condemnation. I don't want you to take it that way. It's not to bring condemnation. It's to bring knowledge, instruction, wisdom. Why? So that we could just say, well, now, dear Father God, if that's been sought my blessings, I'm going to repent right now and I'm going to say another word about my son-in-law or my daughter-in-law. Except to pray in tongues. Praise God for him. That's right. And your faith starts to work just like that. Can you see that? Okay, that's the, that's the duty of the Father. Now, remember, in the book of Titus, that's, you don't have to go back to the same second chapter. This is what you're to teach your children. He said to teach them to be sound in faith, love, and patience. You teach the responsibility of a man growing up. You teach him the responsibility and his priorities of life. Number one, son, is between you and the Father God. You establish that relationship. First of all, and remember, number two is so dear to the heart of the Father, Father heart of God, is between you and your wife. Oh, it's precious. You never do anything to tear down that relationship. But you instruct and teach. Now, I want to show you. I told you I'd show you by the Word of God how curses have come. Go back to the seventh chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. There's going to be some freedom here when we realize this and repent. I'm, and I, I sincerely mean that. I've had to do it. I didn't know it for the first three years that Lisa was born. I did not know it. How could I possibly do it? But that's not an excuse. I did not make that as an excuse. I said, Father God, I didn't know it, but blessed be God. I'm going to make an excuse. I get down on my knees and I'm just going to ask your forgiveness in Jesus' name. But then I'm going to turn around and start doing it. Start doing what the Word of God says to do about my wife, about my children. In the seventh chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, let's start with verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than, than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, no, nor show mercy unto them, neither shalt thou. Underline it. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their, their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And he goes on to say that the reason why he has called them and separated them and set them aside for himself was because he loved them. He's not saying, don't you dare intermarry. 
because I don't want you going with that guy down the street. He said, don't you dare do it because you are a holy people, a separate people, and don't you allow it. Don't you allow your children to do it. You teach your children from the Word go, you will not marry somebody who's not born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word-walking, love-walking, faith-walking, hallelujah, praising God. You get that right from the very beginning. You say, that's Old Testament. Well, you hold tight. Now, you, you know I'll show you in the new. Go back to verses 3 and 4, first of all. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away, for they will turn away, for they will turn away, for they will turn away. They'll turn your son or they'll turn your daughter away from serving God. That's what they'll do. Your daughter's not going to save him. If he didn't get saved before they got married, you best believe. Unless she got some calluses on her knee from prayer. And I still wouldn't even advise it then. I don't advise it at all. Period. I'm going to go this far and say this. There's a curse if you do. Go to, go to, go to the book of Joshua. The reason why he said don't do it is because they would turn your daughter or your son away from serving the living God. Look over here in Joshua. 23rd chapter. Let's start with verse 11. Jesus in his parable in Mark 4 said, Take heed how you hear. Take heed what you hear. Listen to what I'm saying. Look at verse 11, 23rd chapter. Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Number one, take heed. And if you love Him, you're going to do exactly what He said to do. And He said, don't do it. Now look at the next. Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you, know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be, and underline it, snares and traps unto you, scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish off, off this good land which the Lord your God given you. Let's read some more. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. Not one thing, not one good thing that God said failed. Look at, but let's go on. And all are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all good things are come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things until you have the... Till he have destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. What he is saying is this. If I have said in my word, thou shalt not, then thou shalt not. Because when I said that this, will, this good will happen to you, it will. And I made it happen to you. But if you go and disobey what I had said, then he is responsible for keeping his word and allowing the curse to come upon you. Now I want to get to the next part and tie it right in. If you are contemplating marriage, beloved, right now at this present time, 
if you are even that far away of considering somebody who's not born again, get on your knees and repent and turn yourself away until you establish in your life and in that person's life They've got to be born again. They've got to be filled with the Spirit. They've got to walk by faith. Their desire, their number one priority has got to be to live for the Almighty God. If not, you make your bed in it and you want to know why people's not getting their prayers answered when they pray and pray and they say, I don't, don't work for me, don't work for me. That's why. He says there'll be thorns in your side, scourges, thorns in your eyes, scourges in your side. And what he's saying is this. I'm not going to be able to bless you like I'm supposed to, like I want to bless you. And I'll tell you what, that mate will be to you a thorn in your side. A scourge to you. And I've heard women say, Tom, and I, oh, I got this problem, I got that problem, I got that. I'm not saying it to knock anybody. Please don't take it that way. I am saying it to give instruction. If you're not there, then praise God. If you're there, we're going to, get, we're going to see how to get you out of it. To the Word of God as we go on. But right now, if you have not come to that place in your life, you are, you are seeking a, a marriage right now, then listen. Let's go to the, uh, the New Testament. Let's go to the second book of Corinthians. Like I was, I was saying, I've had people come and, and their lives are shambles. They can't get it together. They want to know what's going on. They don't understand it. Faith that doesn't seem like it's even... even uh, faith doesn't even rise up in their heart. They just can't seem to work faith out. They just can't get it to work for them. They can't seem to get the household in order. And they want to know what's going on. But they did not know that either through knowledge or, or through lack of knowledge, no matter what reason it was, that they fell into a snare, they fell into a trap, and now, beloved, you've got to get God's way out of that trap. But if you're not in that trap right now, beloved, I'll tell you something right now. You take heed to what's being said. You take heed as to what is being said today. Because it will mean your entire well-being. That woman lost her through, through lack of knowledge. It, regardless of whether her heart was right, her heart was right towards God. But through lack of knowledge and disobedience... She lost seven, six or seven children and she lost her husband until she repented. And almost lost her life until she repented. Even though she was sincere with God, no healing came. But she made the decision to repent and turn around and go the other way. And if you're in that, and in, 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 in you fall in this category, we'll show you how to do that by God's Word to get your life straightened out. But right now in 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, you say it's not in the New Testament. It's in the New Testament. It is loud in the New Testament. And I'll go further than that. It is a lot louder in the New Testament. It is a lot more important in the New Testament because he's not talking about nations. He's talking about Satan's children and God's children. That's what he's talking about. Verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You ready? Those of you that are seeking marriage, don't even begin dating. Are you hearing me? Do not date an unborn-again Christian. Do not date an unbeliever unless you have spoken in the very first time you've met, Blessed be God, I am Spirit-filled. I am born again. I am living on fire for God. And that's the way I'm going to live my life. And if you don't want to live your life that way, then it's too bad. 
Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't do it. It'll save you a lifetime of heartache. It'll save you a lifetime of intercessory prayer on your knees. It'll save you thorns from your eyes and scourges from your sides. If you will take heed as to what the Word of God is saying to us. You say, why do you talk like that? What makes you say that? You know why? Because the first, when a relationship is established between a man and a woman, the first and lowest type of love goes into operation. It is a physical attraction. I gave you different words for love. Eros is the lowest form of love that, that is known to us. It's talking about a physical or sexual relationship between a man and a woman. Of course, it's because he finds her attractive and she finds him handsome that they get together and say, let's do something, let's go out, let's, you know, let's date. Okay, that relationship can very easily blind that, the believer, blind his mind from, from seeing, and I don't care how good that person is, you could very easily blind a believer's mind from seeing what God's Word says, hearing the voice of God, understanding what He is trying to get across to that person, and they are so in physical love, eros, they are so much in physical love that they don't care what the Bible says. It doesn't matter. I love them. And you're establishing your relationship wrong. You have no business to even start out a relationship in that way. There's no, there's, no even, there's no reason for it to even start. Not one day. First thing you should ask is, are you born again? If they say, yeah, are you spirit-filled? You set your priorities right, number one, first. And you might just say right then, well, if you're not, then I'm sorry. There's no sense in my establishing it unless you want to just lead them to Christ right there or tell them about it. Say, when you get yourself born again and saved, then you give me a call. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. It's time we start to get on these things. It's time we start to realize that that's why the body of Christ was falling apart because the church wasn't majoring in these things. It was minoring in, in, in some of these affairs. That relationship does not start when that child is growing up. It starts when that child is down here. And these are the things that should be taught that you teach your child about marriage relationship. And all this baloney about the devil having his hand in it and this and that. Listen to me. I'll tell you something right now. The Bible teaches us that the bed is undefiled. The Bible teaches us that this is a part of life. And this is... A, you go to 1 Corinthians 7 chapter. It says that each and every one gives up themselves unto the other party. And they have to, by God's Word... Honor the other person's desires and, and, and physical needs. God made it number two. And God put the desire there. So consequently, it's got to be high on his list, number two. Now, let's go on and read this. But be, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship or communion hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord had Christ with Belial? I'll stop right there. He's saying, you are light, he is dark. You are uh, or love, he is hate. I don't care how kind he is on the outside or she is on the outside. Light and dark cannot mix. Would to God we could see beyond the physical being and see the spirit of man. He's saying right over here, he said, you are Christ, he is Belial. 
And you'll never catch Christ hooking up with Belial. He didn't put up it back then. He's going to put, put up with it now. So I'm just trying to get it as strong as I possibly can across to you. Don't start or establish a relationship with a non-believer. Don't even do it. Well, someone say, well, you know, what am I going to do? Get on your knees and pray. You know, it would be better to pray for the right person than it is to, to get the wrong person and pray for the rest of your life. I mean it. Dear God, dear God. Well, even when you talk with somebody, I said, dear God, I just wish we could start all over. Go back to the word go. Go back to number one. So we can't do that. Because what, I could trace it back to your parents. You, they could trace it back to their parents. Their parents can trace it back to their parents. And, and all their parents will trace it back to Adam and Eve. And that's where it all originated from. So we go back to there. So what, what, what are we going to say? There's no condemnation. Just listen. Just receive it. Soak it into your spirit. Chew it up. You know, swallow it. And start right there where there's no condemnation. And just say right from where I'm at, no matter what state I'm in, we're going to cover every, every place. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to go through it. Uh, as time permits and as Lord willing. And we're going to talk about some of these things. And we're going to bring out some things that I, I believe it should not be hidden. And I, I'm ashamed to say it, that religion and tradition has just buried what God's Word says about the subject of, of mar not only marriage, but marriage and divorce. And it's high time we start getting some truth and something to stand on. How can you stand on something that you don't have any truth for? Well, I feel it means this and I feel it means that. That's hogwash. We have got to establish our relationship with the Word of God. And if it doesn't say it, then I'll tell you we've got no right preaching it. And we better preach it like it is. Amen? So if you are contemplating marriage right now, you both, both individuals, girls, you have a responsibility and a right to your mate to put God first in your life. He deserves the best. And if you're a child of God, you both deserve the best. And the best is a man or a woman who is sold out to God, who is sincere in living and walking in the divine love of God, and has put his order of priorities right in life. And if you are a woman who's looking for a husband, you deserve nobody less than that. You deserve the very best. And if you get on your Mark 11, 23 and 24, then your heavenly Father will bring him to your doorstep. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.